Tonight on Huckabee, I'm betting on the battle for Brett Kavanaugh, Dr. Christopher Metzler, and the politics of racism. And Zion's Shore performs the song that Facebook censored. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee. Thank you very much. What a great audience we have in our studio here in Hendersonville, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville. We're glad to be back in our theater, back home. We had a couple of great weeks in Branson, Missouri, around Silver Dollar City, but it's good to be home. And so thank you for joining us. Now, as you know, if you watch this show, and you really should be watching it every week, I try to launch each show with optimism and hope even bringing the stories of the week to you in a way that'll put a smile on your face. But tonight, I'm afraid the news is dire. I've been listening this week to prominent Democrats and talking heads, well, mostly empty talking heads on TV, <laughs> and it appears that the end of the world is near. Oh, I'm not just talking about the end of our great republic. I'm talking about the end of the world. Now, it's not due to nuclear war or meteors or asteroids hitting the Earth. It's not because of an electromagnetic pulse that would shut down all electricity and electronics throughout the whole world. And it isn't famine or a cataclysmic infectious disease. No. It seems the end of the world is imminent because President Trump has nominated Judge Brett Kavanaugh to replace Justice Anthony Kennedy on the U.S. Supreme Court. And that, my friends, according to the people who run the Democratic Party and the media, but I repeat myself, <laughs> will singularly bring about the destruction of the entire planet. And the remarkable fact is that the folks on the left predicted this apocalyptic demise of our world even before the president made the announcement and gave us the name. In fact, so confident that the president's selection would ruin the earth that there were pre-printed signs for protesters to wave days before the announcement with several possible nominees' names printed and ready for the protest march the moment the pick was announced. Organizations like the Women's March, which, by the way, is only for women who agree to march with their left foot. They even... They're a little slow here, but they're picking it up. They even sent out a news release within seconds of the nomination. But here's what's funny. They were so eager to express their outrage for such a terrible person to be named by President Trump that they sent the bulletin with a blank space for the name because, as we know, it didn't matter who the president named, it would be the end of the world. Now, most... Most of the anxiety about Judge Kavanaugh seems to be that he might join four other justices and overturn the disastrous Roe v. Wade decision from 1973 that made America the most pro-abortion nation on earth. It's now become evident that ripping a baby's limbs from his or her body while in the mother's wombs is the most important policy that Democrats have decided to defend. Well, other than getting rid of our national borders, and demanding that we put the late Minnie Pearl in charge of border security so she can holler, y'all come! <laughs> because the left, this audience did know who she was. <laughs> the left is led by those who have lost all sanity and common sense. None of us actually know what Judge Kavanaugh would do if he had the chance to overturn this dreadful slaughter of the innocents. But even if Roe v. Wade were struck down, it doesn't end abortion. It just leaves the decision to the states. But the careless killing of babies would be better stopped if we simply recognized that an unborn child is a person, which of course he or she is, at least biologically. And once we apply science to the law, and respect unborn children as persons, 
Every one of them will be protected by the 5th and 14th Amendments, which guarantee that no person can lose life or liberty without due process, and further protected by the 8th Amendment, which prohibits cruel and unusual punishment. Of course... We might not ever become that compassionate a culture because according to the Democrats in Congress and most of the media, our civilization will collapse anyway just by the mere appointment President Trump has proposed. To be honest with you, I haven't seen this many Looney Tunes since I watched Saturday morning TV when I was five years old. Well, this week, disgraced FBI agent Peter Strzok sat in front of Congress to answer or perhaps avoid accountability for the bias that he displayed while investigating both President Trump and Hillary Clinton. None of the evidence uncovered by the Inspector General of the Department of Justice would have happened had it not been for the relentless efforts under the Freedom of Information Act by Judicial Watch. Earlier, I spoke with the president of Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton, about Peter Strzok's congressional hearing. Tom, the fact is, without Judicial Watch and the many FOI requests that your organization filed, none of this information about the FBI leaks, about the collusion that they had with each other, about the threats to stop Donald Trump, none of that would have happened. You know, what's interesting here, Mike, is that Congress has been following Judicial Watch's lead. They saw we got all the Clinton email uh, scandal material out. And they said, well, how is it we get these documents? And so you had leaders in Congress like Mark Meadows and Devin Nunes say, we can get this done if we just push and are consistent. And so we're happy they're following our lead. But, you know, it's up to Judicial Watch. It's up to Congress. It's up to honest appointees in the Trump administration to be forthcoming and get this information out. Because this is a major scandal, the misuse of our intelligence and law enforcement agencies at the federal level to target a political candidate that then-President Trump uh, didn't have much uh, liking for, and certainly Hillary Clinton didn't have much liking for. It was shocking to hear, and maybe more so, to watch uh, Peter Strzok before Congress. I've never seen such a smug, condescending, arrogant uh, attitude toward members of Congress and to the American people who pay his salary. Were you taken aback by the attitude he displayed when he was essentially dodging questions by members of Congress. You know, his attitude is perfectly in line with what we've been seeing from the FBI leadership ever since I've been working at Judicial Watch. Arrogance, contempt for transparency, and contempt for the rule of law, and contempt for anyone who dares to ask them questions. Remember, Peter Strzok isn't your average FBI official. He was the top echelon of the FBI, uh, worked at headquarters, the number two counterintelligence official in FBI headquarters, and that attitude was frankly endemic within FBI leadership for well over a decade. There, there may be some viewers, and, and they're just scratching their heads, because this is so complicated, and they may wonder, why does this matter? Uh, if we rely on agencies uh, just to do what they want and not be answerable to the American people directly through the FOIA, like Judicial Watch, or uh, through Congress, through their subpoenas and investigative powers, or frankly to the president these days, they don't think they're answerable to the president, that's not self-government. Those are agencies that uh, think they're laws into themselves. And, you know, we got to take back control of our government. Tom, walk us through some of the uh, documents that Judicial Watch, under your leadership, has been able to acquire that we wouldn't have had had it not been for the uh, freedom of information lawsuits. You know, one of the big ones that kind of led to everything we're talking about today is finding out that the Obama White House was behind the big lie on the Benghazi story, that the uh, terrorists uh, were not responsible, that it was a video, and that came out of the Obama White House. That led to the creation of the Benghazi Select Committee, and it led us to ask additional questions about where are Hillary Clinton's emails in all of this? And that led to the admission that there was this Clinton email system and the uh, forcing the FBI and the DOJ to begin investigating her. Uh, but little did we know at the same time they'd be desperately trying to protect her by targeting Donald Trump by working in alliance with uh, the Clinton campaign through the Fusion GPS group uh, to, uh, uh, to go after him. Of all the things that you've uncovered, and they have been mountainous volumes of material, what particular thing are things 
have been most disappointing to you, most revealing to you, most shocking to you? You know, most recently, uh, it's the notion or the, the fact that there were classified materials on Anthony Weiner's laptop from Hillary Clinton's email server, including the identity of a CIA official who's obviously we have an interest in protecting their identity to protect them from being killed. Uh, it was enough to, it would have been enough to arrest anyone else, but this administration has enacted, this Justice Department has enacted. So uh, it's, it wasn't surprising, however disappointing, to know there was that other information of, uh, related to criminal activity by Hillary Clinton, the Mitzanian classified information, which shocking is the failure of this Justice Department to pursue justice in the matter while going full bore against President Trump. Tom, we only have about 30 seconds left. I'm curious, uh, your thoughts on Peter Strzok, who testified before Congress, and I would say with a straight face, but it was all twisted in his smirk, uh, but, but he claimed that there was no bias in the things that he said, including that he could smell Trump supporters when he went to a Southern Virginia Walmart. I, I got to get your reaction to the credibility of someone who would say that, that there was no bias. There's no doubt there was bias, and I would go further. It was corruption. When you've got a senior FBI official talking about having an insurance policy against Donald Trump, showing such contempt for potential Trump voters, and uh, saying that he's going to stop Trump from getting into office. We know at the same time the FBI was abusing the rules to spy on the Trump campaign. Uh, what's disappointing about that hearing, uh, Governor, is that the fact he testified makes me think he doesn't think he's ever going to go to jail or be held accountable for it, and he may be right. I think you've nailed it right. very in That's interestingly right. and powerfully. It was corruption. Tom Fenton, thank you so much for being here, and thank God for Judicial Watch and all that you're doing uh, to preserve this great republic. Let's all hope that when the partisan slugging is over, the Constitution and the rule of law will emerge victorious. Okay, we are in the middle of summer, and the heat is on. Well, What's better to go along with summer weather than some amazing smoked meats? That's exactly what I did today with my friend and CEO of Masterbuilt, John McLemore. All right, John McLemore and I are going to have a little cook-off here on the tenderloin. John, let's get with it. All right. So we got our tenderloins. Mm -hmm. uh, the key is getting them prepared properly, and there is a, uh, a little silver chain you got to get off right, there to little, make it right. Yep, a little silver skin. And so I always do a little olive oil on the mm -hmm. outside, rub that. Olive oil's good. All right, so I'm actually gonna do oil. the same thing, starting out with yours. You got some olive oil on yours, I've got some mm -hmm. olive oil on mine. I notice you, you, you're you like me, you put heavy salt, because that I flavor do. goes throughout, makes it super tender as well. And you don't have to then redo it, a little right. pepper. Got it. Okay, actually, so you're doing, you're doing some uh, black pepper? Black pepper, just okay, so plain I'm, I'm black with you pepper. so far. See, I'm actually cheating. I know, you are cheating in a big way, and, because and you're gonna do I'm, more to it. I'm you're not going the simple route. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to add just a couple of more ingredients to mine. I'm going to take a little paprika, and then we're going to add some garlic powder. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then we're going to add the fifth ingredient. So I've got three more than you do to yours, and mine is brown sugar. Okay? Now... This is what I would do to a cheap piece of meat. This is what... This is exactly what I would do And to this one. is what you do when you kick somebody's... when they're in competition. Yes. The governor is smoking his on the um, on our electric smoker. Now you've always smoked on the electric. You got that great smoke flavor coming out. So we're gonna put mine on. We're putting it on the bottom. One thing that we always recommend is we put the raw food on the bottom of anything we're cooking, okay? Now this is a competition and the winner is gonna get this flying pig and the loser gets to wear this silly looking hat. Later in the show, we're gonna let you find out which of these recipes you would get up on the table and slap your grandmother over. <laughs> I can already taste victory. But we do have some more treats in store besides some great smoked meats. So, Keith, tell them what else we got in the oven tonight. Well, up next, Masterville's John McLemore talks about smoking up some dadgum good food. Huck's hero, Buddy Osmond, author, Dr. Christopher Metzler, Todd and Tara Storch, and the amazing voices of Zion's Joy. Plus, John and Mike's cook-off challenge continues on Huckabee. My beef tenderloin is so good, it made it into a cookbook. 
Uh, well, first of all, I showed him how to cook his. What he's doing wrong, he's overthinking the meat. He doesn't think at all, so. I'm here to obliterate John McLemore. Even though it's his home turf, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm gonna take him down. Yes, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection are smoking up the stage tonight. And perfectly, because the fine gentleman that I'm dueling in a little smoking meat contest and skills is here to tell us about his personal story of faith, family, and business success. Would you please welcome Master Built President and CEO John McLemore. John, great to have you here, my friend. Brother, my pleasure. Later in the show, the entire world will find out which of us is the best I've never been so scared in all my life. You should be. You should be. <laughs> you know, in fact, let me tell you, one of the fun things, you've done several of these great cookbooks, and I, I use them at home all the time. I really do. It's called Dad Gum. That's Good Too. Yeah. There's several versions of it. Yeah. But this is my favorite recipe on page 41. It is my recipe it is. for smoked tenderloin. Yeah, so we, we've been cooking together for about 10 years, and I have taught him almost everything that I know, which makes you... Probably a loser today. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start cooking? And uh, is this something you grew up with? It's all we've ever done. So my dad said a prayer. And, and, and I brought you a couple of gifts today, Governor. I know you like to drink coffee. so Yes, I do. Um, so I brought you, you that, that cup there. But this is the one that I'm, I'm anxious to give to you. And it's where the name Masterbelt came from for our 45-year history. My dad said a prayer back in the day. He said, God, you are the master. I'm the builder. And if you will help me run this family business, I will name the company after you, which is where the name Masterbuilt came from. I did not know that. Yeah, so um, that's been something that we've been very proud of. And, and the number one core value at Masterbuilt is faith, family, then the rest. So I'm, I'm giving you this cup as well. It's our rebrand, Masterbuilt, we work real hard on. But it says, built by the master, so those are two gifts That's from, great. from my family, the Macklemores. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I, your question was, how long have I been cooking? Yeah. I, I started cooking recipes with my mom and dad. And, um, and like yourself, we travel all over this great country and do amazing recipes. So I've been very proud to have you in my cookbook. So... Thank you for that. And that's where we get a lot of our recipes from great people like you. We have a lot of amazing fans out there that love to smoke food. Instead of standing over the grill, smoke your recipes like yeah, we did today. That's right. And it's pretty amazing the, the flavors that you can get out of smoking your food. One final thing I got to say to you. You better hope I win this Ooh. competition because if not, you'll never be on this show again. Oh. I'm telling you now. I'm so, kidding, of course. Yeah. We'll get the best meat smokers around, not to mention fryers, grills, and a number of other cooking products, all on his website, masterbuilt.com. Yeah. Keith, you're going to be on the judging panel when we taste these smoked tenderloins a little later in the show. But I want you to try, best you can, try to keep focused on what's coming up next. Tell us about it. Who do I feel my job slipping away? Well, I'll do my best. Next, meet the man who's using boxing to help kids in Philadelphia. Then Dr. Christopher Metzler reveals why conservative values and minorities can go together. All that and more from the barbecue competition on Huckabee. Friendship is great, but when you're cooking for a championship and one of us gets a flying pig who wins, pal, he's no longer my friend. There's this circle that I have of my people. The governor's out here. He's not in here. Not today. Well, imagine growing up in a neighborhood where people overdose every single day, use needles, litter your streets, and everyone's lives seem to be hopeless. Well, there's one man who's given his heart and soul to bring hope to kids in that very neighborhood. Take a look at how a bit of fighting has breathed new hope into the community of our Huck's hero tonight. ways to reach 
an inner city kid in any inner city in America, I believe is boxing. My name is Buddy and I started Rock Ministries in 2003. This community is like um, any community that you would think of when you went to a third world country and you have human trafficking, open drug market, prostitution, you have homelessness, hunger. In fact, there's an epidemic in America with the opioids. This, this past two weeks, we have uh, reversed um, five people from dying. But Rock Ministries is a safe haven. And when these kids come in to this ministry, they see that there's hope. A lot of kids are looking for a gym to box, and Rock Ministries is that bait. See, boxing is the means to get the kids to listen to the scripture, listen to the gospel, to hear the word of God. Like when I'm in here, I don't remember what's going on outside. I don't remember the problems I have. I just remember that I'm in here having a good time and I'm learning about God. What makes this gym different is everybody's treated like family. And they said it was free. Buddy's like everything to these kids. Buddy is loving, helpful. He's a good coach and he's a good pastor. Buddy was a local legend and he was feared. He's a guy that, you know, when the things go rough, you want Buddy there. I think he's more than a hero. He's the Apostle Paul to these kids. Please welcome Buddy Osborne. Buddy, Thank so you, nice Doctor. to have Thank you, you so here. Much. What you've done in the streets of Philadelphia, because you were not always considered a leader and mentor of young men. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think, uh, Governor, we, we all have a past. And... Uh, I often say that a story, until, until it's a, a, a period, it'll never be a testimony. So hmm. uh, I, in my life, uh, many years ago, I was indicted on RICO charges and I was facing many, many years in prison. And uh, 1995, I gave my life to Christ at 8.30 at night. But let's talk about the harsh realities you're facing. You're yes. dealing with kids. They're not just uh, angry. These are kids growing up surrounded by drugs, surrounded by homelessness, yeah. Yeah. Oh. hopelessness. Governor, one of the things that I want to say is that I, I, I'm amazed to be here, but, but there's, there's so many more greater heroes than me. You know, I mean, there's people that, that dedicate their lives to the mission field uh, in, in Kensington, and they give their lives, they leave their jobs, they sell their homes, and, and I feel that, that there's, a, there's an epidemic, not only with the opioids, but there's an epiden epidemic in our country in the, with the urban setting. And we have a mission field in our own countries. There's Kensington's all over, the, all over this country. And, and, and it's ripe. And, and if, if people would just take a look and say, listen, we have missionaries in America. Mm. And it's needed, Governor, because you have homelessness, you have prostitution, you have sex traffic, and you have, you have kids a mile and a half from where the Declaration of Independence was signed, who have experienced hunger, 50% of the kids have experienced hunger pains. You may not think so, but the reason you're here tonight is because to us, you are a hero and you're changing people's lives. And we're so very grateful to have you here. And I want to say to our folks that if you want to learn more about Buddy and his important mission, and I love that word mission, yes. if you want to get involved, visit therockphilly.org, yes. therockphilly.org. It's right there on your screen. Give Buddy the encouragement, make contact, send him a contribution, tell him thanks for what you're doing, keep it up. Let's hope it happens all over the country. All right, let's go back to Keith. We did not beat him up with boxing gloves. We're too nice for that. So Keith, since you're fine over there, tell us what's coming up next. Can't tell you how much I appreciate that, Governor. Up next, the wise yet daring Dr. Christopher Metzler the inspirational Todd and Tara Storch, and music singing sensation Zion's Joy, plus our beef tenderloin smoke-off between Mike and John McLemore continues on Huckabee. How much do you know about smoking meat? And what wood goes best with what meat? How long do you smoke meat? Well, earlier today, John McLemore let me in on some of his secrets while we were deep into our head-to-head cook-off. So we've taken the meat 
out of the smoker, we put them on a tray to let them rest. That's very important. So, John, we've been kidding around with each other, but there really is a, a, an extraordinary joy in cooking and making people happy. Mm -hmm. But tell me the difference between the results from a propane cooker like you've been cooking with mm -hmm. and the electric smoker that I've been cooking with and the one that, frankly, I've been using for years for in my years. home. Well, Governor, you've always loved the fact that Mashable gives you the ability to set the temperature and it automatically controls it. So exactly. we've always had that technology in the electric smokers. We've now done that with the Mashable thermal temp. So it's technology that allows you to set the temperature because it's all about the temperature and the moisture inside the smoker. And when you're smoking with wood, the wood chips that we've been putting in throughout the process gives you all of that smoke-infused flavor, so we get the same results out of both products with the convenience of Mashable doing all the work, all the heavy lifting, as you said earlier. I say it's time to uh, cut into the meat, mm -hmm. and then we'll take it inside and let the judges see yeah. who wins. You have seen my next guest on every cable television network as a guest. He attended Oxford and Columbia Universities and has taught extensively. He's worked on major political campaigns and served as a legal scholar in 20 different countries. As an immigrant from Grenada and a black conservative, he's concerned about the rising efforts to divide Americans for political advantage. Please welcome Dr. Christopher Metzler. Thank you, Governor. Dr. Metzler, it's great having you here. Thank you, my pleasure. You are on a lot of television shows. People want to talk to you because you're kind of an anomaly. How did you get through Oxford and Columbia? <laughs> I remember my first class at Columbia. The discussion was about um, what lunatics uh, conservatives are. And uh, I said to the people who are on the panel, I said, oh, so you, we're lunatics and you would be what? They're like, uh, why is that a question? Exactly. So it really, really, it, it, it was a difficult experience. Well, how did your worldview develop? Because, I mean, sometimes people are so shaped by their families or their environment and, you know, who they were listening to. Sure. But I'm curious as to what was your frame of reference that at some point you said, you know, I believe in the Constitution and liberty and certain mm -hmm. things that made you a conservative. Well, I am from the island of Grenada. Yeah. And um, so by nature, we're conservative people. Uh, but then secondly, everyone talks about the invasion of Grenada by Reagan. First of all, I like to correct people. It was not an invasion. It was an invitation from then president of CARICOM, Eugenia Charles. So after that, uh, that really solidified. And I knew immediately at that point, I am a full-blooded conservative. You have uh, done a book called Divided We Stand, The Search for America's Soul. Mm -hmm. What do you say in that book that we ought to be taking attention to? First of all, uh, fake news. There That's really the is such a thing as a fake news. Yeah, and I've done extensive research on that. And, uh, you know, there are some networks I simply refuse to appear on because I'm not going to sit there, have, be the one conservative on the panel and they're gonna try to beat up on me. That's not gonna happen, number one. Number two, it's the same thing over and over again. I'm smart enough to know, give me the facts, I'll make my own opinion. I don't need you to tell me what your opinion is. There are a growing number, Our audience certainly agrees with that. Dr. Metzler, there's a, a growing number of African Americans who are finding that when they really look at, at the political spectrum, they tend to be more conservative than they thought they were. And under the president, yes. uh, unemployment in the African-American community and the Hispanic community, not just low, lowest it has ever been in recorded history. Is that beginning to resonate? It is beginning to resonate, but we still have uh, the mentality of uh, what I call the liberal loons. Um, because they keep telling us that we're voting against our own self-interest. No, uh, we do not want to be kept in poverty so that they can continue to eat from the, from the trough. That's just simply not going to happen. Um, and so <laughs> the, 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 the whole education, and I, I use that word <laughs> derisively, um, coming from the left, I mean, the left has lost their minds. I don't know, they've 
they've ever had them, but <laughs> that's a different story. Um, uh, but they've lost their minds. And so as a result of that, uh, they are providing further division in this country. And as we, every time I hear Maxine Waters speak, I have to turn the television off. She talks about the fact that people are, uh, have created a character of her. No, she's a character that she created. <laughs> I'm not even going to argue with you on that. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Brett Kavanaugh, president yes. that's nominated for the Supreme Court. What is your view of uh, Brett Kavanaugh? Exceptional choice. Is he a good choice? He is a very good choice. And, you know, there is this whole, oh, well, we're going to um, take him down. Oh, nonsense. First and foremost, he is a constitutionalist. It is absolutely clear. His work, everything he's published is absolutely fantastic. And I think he is going to interpret the Constitution. This nonsense of the left saying the president has an agenda um, when selecting a nominee. Well, you know, we kind of remember uh, Robert Bork, folks. Hmm. Um, so as a result of that, they have their own litmus tests. So go away. You know, it's interesting because I've always said that I don't want there to be a conservative pick for Supreme Court. Correct. Any more than I want a liberal. Uh, I don't correct. want a person ideological. No. I want a person who is a constitutionalist who looks at the text of the Constitution and no matter what their personal liberal conservative views are, they say, but when I am a justice, my only job is to look at the text of the Constitution and what it meant when it was written. Yes, and that is absolutely right. And that is exactly what I think he's going to do. His record indicates that. And so all of this other nonsense is, as usual, noise. Well, I want to thank you for your voice and clarity uh, about Dr. Messler. He's working on finishing a new book. I want you to keep an eye out for it. It's called Divided We Stand, A Search for America's Soul. Follow him at Dr. Chris Metzler on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit his website, drchristophermetzler.com. It's there on your screen. Write it down. Get the words right so you go to the right website. Keith, tell us what we have coming up. I'd be glad to. Coming up, Todd and Tara Stortz discuss the power of organ donation and how we can outlive ourselves. Then listen to the song Facebook Band when Zion's Joy performs. And be here for the Beef Tenderloin Competition when our panel of judges decides a winner right here on Huckabee. If I don't win that flying pig, I may have to quit the show. I not only want to win the pig, I want to see him wear that ridiculous hat. John looks pretty funny even without the hat. You put that hat on him, and he's going to be stinking hilarious. Yeah, we ain't going home without that pig. Our veterans face challenges re-entering family life. Issues of PTSD, infidelity, divorce, and suicide all come against them and come against them hard. And that's why the work being done by Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse is outstanding. They're teaching these service men and women how to live again, how to love, and how to be loved, how to raise their children to their fullest potential. And Samaritan's Purse never neglect pointing the way to Jesus Christ. I hope you'll visit their website. Maybe you could call them today, make a generous gift to help them keep their work with all of our veterans going strong. My next guest faced every parent's worst nightmare. Eight years ago, during a family vacation, a skiing accident took the life of their precious 13-year-old daughter, Taylor. But their tragedy was only the beginning of a miraculous legacy that saved the lives of five people and that continues inspiring others with their incredible foundation. Here to share their story, please welcome the founders of the Taylor's Gift Foundation, Todd and Tara Storch. First of all, when I saw the picture of Taylor on the cover of the book, what a vivacious, beautiful young lady. And I can't even begin to comprehend the grief that you as a family had to experience when you were told that Taylor wasn't going to live and would you be willing 
to see that her organs could give life to some other people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How long did it take you to work through the decision to say, yes, we will donate her Thank organs? the good Lord. It was a snap. It was, it was that easy. Mm. I mean, we got asked when we, when we knew it was at that moment, and they said Taylor would be a beautiful candidate to donate her organs. I looked at Tara, looked right in her eyes. By the way, we're celebrating her 25th anniversary this year. Congratulations. Um, I looked in her eyes, and the answer was absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. and, thank, and thank God, it is a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift. Tara, the proportion of couples who lose a child ending up divorcing. Right is just off the charts high. How did you and Todd keep things together when most couples, literally most couples, can't after the death of a child? You know, his grandfather really had this quote that he grew up with, and it's, it's not what happens to you that matters, it's how you react to it that does. Mm. And of course, I mean, don't get me wrong, of course it mattered that we lost Taylor. It completely ruined our world yeah. at that time. But we knew our reaction was gonna be really important, not only to our family, our community, but our other two children. And so our faith is our foundation. Absolutely. And we, like, we leaned on that heavily. When you consented for mm -hmm. Taylor's organs to be given to others, how long was it before you found out what happened? And did you get to meet some of the families that had lives saved because of that? We yeah. sure did. I mean, we, uh, we, we got a chance to meet quite a few of the recipients, from the heart recipient to the kidney recipients. We learned really quickly. There's a, you've, you've heard about it. There's a thing called Facebook out there, and yeah. things start <laughs> moving quickly. Um, that's, not the, that's not the perfect way for it to go because there's a fantastic organization within the pr procurement organizations that help, help with that. We got to meet four of the five recipients and have a relationship, and that was very, very special to us. Not all families want to do that. Right. We did, and it was a blessing. And we've really connected with them in the sense that they're part of our family now. Yeah. I mean, we have relationships with them, which is how, wonderful. How emotional was it the first time that you met one of the mm. people who was alive because of your daughter and of your decision. Well, the, the recipient that we first met really um, was her kidney and pancreas recipient. Mm. And then we met her heart recipient. And that was something I remember standing by the hospital bed looking at Todd saying, I really am longing to hear her heart beat again. And the only way to make that happen was for us to connect with her recipient. Uh, and so we were able you to hear do her that. Heartbeat? Yes, we heard her heartbeat. Uh, we heard her oh. heartbeat in um, Patricia's chest. Oh. I mean, I, I can't even imagine as a parent the extraordinary grief of losing Taylor and then yet to know that her heart was beating in the life of another person and giving that person a future. You know, she, Patricia was incredible. I mean, the, the thing that we learned is that um, Patricia didn't want to run a marathon or, you know, this huge triathlon. She just wanted to be a mom. And mm. Taylor's heart gave her that opportunity. And we were very blessed. And people ask us all the time what it was like hearing Taylor's heart in Patricia's chest. And you know, it's, it's a mix of emotions. It's every emotion you can ever imagine. But we knew by being there that it was the right thing for our family. Organ donation was the right choice. I think it's so important that your story is told because there are a lot of families who in that moment, and they only have a brief period of time That's to right. make the decision. If they hold off on the decision, it's, it's too late. Right. They need to be thinking about it we pray to God they never have to make it, but if they do, that they make it. And some people struggle from a faith perspective saying, is that something God can bless? Mm -hmm. And I saw a great bumper strip one time, and I'm sure you've seen it, that says, you know, why would you leave your, or why send your organs to heaven when they can do so much good on earth? And right. I thought, you know, this is something God wants and blesses, that we have the technology and that a person can give this life gift to another person. Well, it's an act of love and an act of service. Yeah. It really yes. is. But do it you is. have people that say, is it okay? Did you pray, you know, were you worried about that? Absolutely. I mean, because it's, I mean, that is one of the obstacles is people go, oh, it's against my religion. And what usually that comes from, maybe a grandmother or a grandfather, it just kind of, it kind of worked its way into the family. But to your point, having that conversation when you're at, when you're at the dinner table, I can tell you this, hmm. we never did. 
We never had that conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's why we were so blessed to say yes. But you can talk about organ donation just about leaving a legacy. You can talk about leaving the world better than you found it. Mm -hmm. And there's so many ways that you can do that. Organ donation is just one of those ways. And the way we, we share that is the words outlive yourself. You know, we get organ donation isn't easy to talk about. We get it. Sure. You know, it's hard to sit around the dinner table and ask your family, do you want to be an organ donor, right? Because immediately people think of death. But organ donation is all about life. It's 100% about life. But it's very easy to sit around the dinner table with your friends and say, you know, how do you want to outlive yourself? Mm, you know, how do you want to make a lasting difference in the lives of others? And we hope organ donation can be part of that. A lot of people can't give a million dollars, but if they give someone a heart, Mm. or a lung or a kidney, they've given them more than a million dollars. Absolutely. They've Second given them a chance. life, something that they, you know, my wife and I both, it's on our driver's license. We're committed that, you know, God forbid something happened to us. Uh, if, if we can help someone else, why not? Right. Absolutely. We want to do that. And I want to That's tell right. everyone about this wonderful book, uh, Taylor's Gift. My thanks to Todd and Tara Storage for all they do. They're continuing Taylor's legacy of the gift of life. And the book, Taylor's Gift, uh, is a wonderful inspiration and a reminder. It's something that you can do. You can also have them come speak to your group or your church or your organization, your community. And most importantly, please outlive yourself. Signing up to be an organ donor is not difficult, but I pray you will do it. Thank you for joining us tonight and sharing your remarkable story. I will say, Governor, and thank you so much. I mean, by the time your next commercial break is over, you could be responsible for registering thousands and thousands and thousands. Mm -hmm. Taylorsgift.org, doesn't matter what state you're in in the United States, you can get registered and check. Mm -hmm. I hope that happens. Taylorsgift.org. Thank you. Fantastic. God bless you. Thank you. All right, Keith, tell us how we're going to be finishing off our show tonight. Well, up next, our Beef Tenderloin Cook-Off Challenge goes to our panel of judges, and Zion's Joy sings their news-making song. More Huckabee is on the way. the Al Yankovic version of Eat It even better than the Michael Jackson Beat It. Yeah. All right, it's time to find out if my delicious slow-smoked beef tenderloin is going to beat my worthy competitor, John McLemore. No, sir. Uh, no, Keith sir. Is, I, I think it will. Keith is with the judges. Keith, would you introduce our judges, please? Oh, I feel my entire career flashing before my eyes. <laughs> if I vote wrong on this. Rick Roberts, you're at... Uh, you're at you're at uh, the crossroads here, too, as our That's staff right. comedian. You may never see me again if I vote the wrong way. That's but... right. And we, don't, we have no idea. Absolutely no idea. We don't. And this is George Hurd from right here in Nashville. George, good to see you. Yes, yeah. Sir. Yes, sir. You enjoy coming to the Huckabee Show? Amen. Well, I enjoy, enjoy it. Maybe your last time. To. Yes, sir. And <laughs> <laughs> Lana McGrady, did I say that right? Perfect. From Kingsport, Tennessee, but originally from Russia. You really are? Yes. I Talk, know. and you'll, you'll find... You'll... Russia collusion. We... <laughs> hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, I knew he was going to say that. I knew he was going to say that. One of my dear friends, this guy has had so many hits. I love Billy the Kid and Somewhere in My Broken Heart. Mr. Billy Dean yeah, is with thank us. Thank you very much. Celebrity judge. Well, the moment of truth is upon us. All right. And the so catering is much doing better. This? Keith, are you uh, well, kind of... Yeah. All right. We're going to... We, we have... Uh, Plate A mm -hmm. and plate B. Okay. okay. And everybody get get one from each. All right. There you go. You guys get one. Oh, John, by the way, you, I can give you that. You, you didn't need to leave that $20 bill in my dressing <laughs> oh. room. I don't really need that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was passing out 50s. Uh. <laughs> now, the, hey, governor, <laughs> the governor says, may the best meet win. He doesn't mean it. He's, he I really don't. Win. I really do want to win. And by okay. the way, so the winner gets a flying pig. <laughs> Which okay. you really wonder if that's winning. And the loser hat, the way. gets so this hat. Shall we try A first? All right, here's A. Whatever okay. you want to do. I feel like I'm from Wisconsin. A. Hey. hey. <laughs> okay. Is this Look. Huckabee? Okay. No, this is or not Huckabee. Now B. That's good. Billy Dean, how We're do you vote? We're having a problem with these judges. I'm going to have to go with A. A, okay. Lana? Whatever number. What is it? A. <laughs> it's A. Okay. George? 
coming from a long line of uh, tasters, I have to go with A. A? Rick? I don't know, what are you voting for? I want to work wherever you work next week. <laughs> <laughs> wherever you go, I'm going with you. I don't know. See, I have no idea which one. Which, where, where are you going to go? I'm going to go with A. A. Hey, this is not even... I, I had it twice. This is not even a tiebreaker for me. Ooh, my pen's leaking. <laughs> <laughs> it's really leaking. I can't believe you did that, didn't you? I, no, I had nothing to do with that. Just to be contrary, I'm going to vote B because it makes no difference. No. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Okay. Hey, so... All right, let's reveal... It's great being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen. The last time. <laughs> That's the way I voted. <laughs> Keith, welcome back. <laughs> me and you. you. Me and you, brother. Me and you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, lifetime contract. <laughs> and I so. will I will confess, earlier today, when we pulled these out of the Masterbuilt Smoker, and I tasted the governor's, yes. I actually voted for his over mine earlier today. But that still would have my vote into his these <laughs> votes here, you still lost. Well, I may have, but let me tell you something, John. <coughs> you know, the fact that you made this smoker, you wrote the cookbooks. Yes, sir. You come down here to my show and you get to go home with a flying pig. And you know you know why this is important? Why because this? the next time you come on this show, it'll be when pigs fly. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy right here. <laughs> All right. To find out more about Masterville smokers, grills, fryers, hold on, hold on. and all their outstanding products, visit masterbuilt.com. And there are also some incredible recipes and great tips for you to become a smoker king. That's masterbuilt.com. Come. Now, yeah, I voted for you for president. I voted for you tonight. <laughs> Keith, I've always known what a smart guy you are. You've just gotten smarter. And while we enjoy the fruits of our labor, we're going to hear from a great gospel group named Zion's Joy. They were in the news recently because their latest song ran into a little social media censorship. Here's the story. Recently, gospel recording artist Zion's Joy released their music video, What Would Heaven Look Like? only to have the video labeled as political content and blocked by Facebook. A New York Times article defended them, and Fox News featured an interview with the group. Facebook chose to restore the video access and apologized to the group, stating, we restored the post since it does not violate our community standards and have apologized to Zion's joy. Now this talented gospel group is back performing, and has been given even more opportunities to spread God's love. Now to perform their Facebook-approved gospel song, would you please welcome Zion's Joy as they sing, What Would Heaven Look Like? Spread the love. streets hearts are so divided eyes that can't see is there hope for humanity
Well, I don't know how long it took Facebook to like him. I liked him from the first time I heard him. And you can learn where to see Zion's Joy live, listen to their music, or invite them to perform in your town, your church, or your community by visiting zionsjoy.com. That's zionsjoy.com. What a delightful, delightful song they presented for us. We want to say thanks to all of our wonderful guests. Join us next week for an exclusive visit with Vice President Mike Pence. Until then, good night. God bless. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us.